Welcome. Welcome to Worship at Schweitzer. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We're beginning a new season. Fall is upon us. Pumpkin spice lattes are available at Starbucks. And we're starting a new sermon series, Jesus is Greater, where we take a look at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Colossae and to us. Today, we're going to hear a sermon on how Jesus is greater. Also, there are life groups that are beginning to meet this week. If you would like to be a part of the life groups, you can sign up by going to sumc.co slash Colossians and join a group. Also, there are little booklets uh, that go along with our, our study. If you'd like one of those, you can stop by the office or you can download the PDF at the website. Something else we're excited about is we're, we're having an all-in event. Now, if you've been checking out Schweitzer, if you've been watching our services, wondering what ministry is like around Schweitzer and, and in the Southwest Missouri, we would love for you to check us out. We've got three events coming up in September where you can dial in, you can meet some of the staff, you can hear about what Schweitzer believes at a deeper level, and you can find out what it looks like for you to participate with us. All you need to do is go to sumc.co slash all in and be a part of, of one of those events. Three times, we look forward to seeing you as you connect with us. Another event we're really looking forward to is the Diaper Dash. It takes place Monday, September 28th from 6 to 7.30. You pick up some new diapers, you swing by the church parking lot, drop them off. There's gonna be Andy's frozen custard for everybody who comes by. It's gonna be awesome! We're so looking forward to it. I'm so looking forward to seeing you. We hope you'll participate in the Diaper Dash. You can learn more on our website, sumc.co. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd love for you to engage with us. You can do that in the chat window. You can do that by hitting the prayer button. Let us know that you're here. Now, we are so thankful that we get to begin this new sermon series with worship and, and just uh, we get to praise the Lord. So let's worship together.
come to our prayer time, and we're in this new series of Jesus is Greater, we'd like to use prayer that comes from the book that's been produced, The Field Guide. And at the end of chapter one, you'll find a prayer there called the General Thanksgiving. And it's a prayer that's been around. It's been a part of the church life and church experience for a long time. But I'd invite you to pray along with me. The General Thanksgiving as we give thanks to God for all of his goodness, for his help that he's brought to us and for salvation. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for your creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ. For the means of grace and for the hope of glory, and we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all the ages. Amen. Now let us continue in prayer. For as we have said and prayed a general thanksgiving, words that have informed the church for a long time, each and every one of us have something that's unique and special, something that we're carrying, a burden that we need to lift to the Lord. So let's take a moment and bless the Lord and talk with the Lord about where we're at in life.
I invite you to say with me the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the Sunday night of Labor Day weekend, at Schweitzer, we celebrated the graduation of five participants from Life Change Plan. Those five were Jessica and Judy, Amber, Justin, and Valerie. And the Life Change Plan is a year-long process where a participant takes several courses that deal with practical areas of life. They're connected with a mentor, and they enter into deep community, a worshiping community and a community of their peers. Many of the participants entered the program and, and the year-long process with a sense of, of struggle and great trials in life. And it was awesome to be a part of their graduation and hear their stories about how they, they had a renewed sense of hope and confidence and capacity for the places they're at now and their amb ambitious goals in the future. Your generous giving has made a profound difference in the life of Jessica, Amber, Judy, Justin, and Valerie. We can't say thank you enough for being faithful with what God has entrusted to you. And as we go forward, we wanna to continue to see and we pray for continued life change in all of us who participate in what God is up to in this place of Schweitzer.
This year at Schweitzer, we've been hearing some really awesome stories about how God is at work in the series, 52 Stories. Today, we get to hear from a young adult who's, who's grown up in Schweitzer and who's sharing their story. Let us listen to Mr. Eli Slover. In sixth grade, I went to, to youth and it was, it was just a fun place to hang out, play dodgeball and eat some good food. Um, and also, uh, later on, I realized that it was a good place to hear about the Word and get to know Jesus better. And that became a really valuable part of my life. I come from a split family. Um, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. Um, and that was, of course, for a kid, that's always tough. Um, and uh, I was um, in all through middle school. I had a really rough time. A lot of people do, but um, I was bullied really terribly. Um, and it got it got to the point where I was where years down the line I was diagnosed with clinical depression. The loneliness and despair and the misery that that mental illness puts you in. There's just no way that I can, that I can express it. It's, it's, be, it's being alone in a room full of people. And uh, that, that's, that was the house that I lived in for years. So I became a Christian. Uh, I accepted Christ into my heart um, at around the age of 13. I was at summer camp, um, church camp at Galilee, um, and that was that was a really fun experience for me. Um, before then, I was just, I, really, I didn't have any sort of direction. Um, I felt very lost and confused about who I was as a person, um, and just w one of the speakers actually. Tim Smith uh, was was talking about how was talking one night about how um, if you just open your heart and let Jesus in, he'll clean he'll clean the house. And I was at a time in my life where I had a pretty messed up house, uh, and that really appealed to me. And I right then and there, I I opened my heart. Looking back, I, I would say that it's okay to be afraid. Just don't let your fear control you. Courage and fearlessness aren't the same thing. And it's, it's even okay to doubt in yourself, in God, in the people around you. But God is willing to help you with your doubt. He's willing to be there if you'll let him. My name is Eli Slover, and this is just the beginning of my story.
friends, welcome this morning. My name is Spencer, I'm the pastor, and I'm so excited for this morning because this is part one of a new series we're on called Jesus is Greater. I hope that you have gotten your field guide, your book to go along with this so you can track along with us as we go during the week uh, with uh, daily Bible readings as well as small group discussion questions. So you can study this with other and others. And, and my hope is that together, we are gonna be able to go deeply into God's word. We're gonna study this and learn uh, the different ways that, that Jesus is greater. This is an eight week series. We're gonna look at eight weeks that Jesus, in eight different ways, that Jesus is greater. Because really, that's what the whole book of Colossians is about, is, is how Jesus is greater than absolutely everything and anything. And whatever it is we might be tempted to chase after or put first place in our life, what we're going to see in eight different ways is that Jesus is greater than absolutely anything and everything. So as week one, let's just start at the very beginning, chapter one, verse one of Colossians. Here's how it goes. It says, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. This is how all first century letters start. You start with the sender instead of ending with the sender. So Paul's writing this along with Timothy and here's who he's writing to. Verse two uh, says, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our father. Now starting in verse three for the next five verses, um, in the original Greek, this is going to be one long sentence. So I'm just going to read it straight through. This is one long sentence in the original Greek. Thankfully, in English, it's broken up into multiple sentences. But here's um, this one long sentence. It goes like this. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel, that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing through the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the spirit. That is one long sentence in the Greek. And we just learned something really important about uh, this, this Colossians, not just that Paul rambles, but we just learned here is that Paul didn't start the church in Colossians. Uh, Colossae, he he uh, instead is is visiting them or writing to them. He's heard about them. And, and people think that what happened here is Epaphras, who's mentioned, is the one who started this church. And maybe he came in contact with Paul in a nearby city, maybe Ephesus, maybe somewhere else. And uh, as he came in contact with Paul or the followers of Paul, he learned this message about Jesus. His life was changed. He went back home and he shared this with other people. And uh, he he started to gather people together. And, and one thing leads to another. And he's, he's started this church that Paul has heard about. And I, I love that little detail because it teaches us something really important that, that you don't have to be a Paul or a, a Matthew, a, a Luke, a Peter, a John, one of these kinds of people for God to use you. You don't have to have the microphone for God to use you. God uses all of us. And, and it just makes you wonder, what does God want to do through us? What does God want to do through you um, as, as he uses all of us? So let's, let's keep reading here. Verse nine, it says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. And then verse 13 and 14, I want you to catch this. If you're reading from your own Bibles, you need to underline these verses, write them down. They're just so vitally important. Here's verse 13 and 14. It says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. These verses are so important. I'm gonna read them to you one more time because that's how important they are. Verse, verse 13 again. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you wanna understand the gospel and what it is that Jesus does in our lives, these two verses are where you should start. This is such uh, such rich, deep writing about what it is that Christ does and why he matters and, and what the gospel does. And so we're gonna unpack these two last two verses here because they're just so um, incredibly uh, rich and, and, and meaningful. And uh, there's this tradition in reading the Bible. The, the ancient rabbis had this tradition when you read the Bible, that when you read the Bible, you need to pay attention to both the, the black and the white. And what they mean by that is you need to pay attention to what is written black ink as well as what is on the white page, meaning you need to pay attention to what's there and not there, what's said and uh, not said. You need to pay attention to the obvious and the subtle, the important words, as well as maybe some of the words you might be tempted to read right past. And, and so for me, when I read these two verses, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. My mind, and probably your mind too, my, my eye is caught by words like, rescued and dominion and darkness and kingdom and son and redemption and forgiveness, like all these really rich, deep theological words, these important words uh, throughout the Bible. But, but what if we consider this and look at some words that we might be tempted to read right past? What if, what if instead we, we, we pause ourselves and we, we pay attention to some of the, um, maybe the insignificant words? Because there's two words in here that, that you might just be tempted to read right past, but are, are hugely important if you wanna understand what it is that Jesus does in our life and how the gospel um, happens within us. And these, these two very subtle words, not the big um, bold words, but two very subtle words would be these, from and into. Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of the son he loves. These, these two words, from and into. Now, in, in my work as a pastor, I've you know, been in different churches and different states and different sizes and different, different people. And, and I've noticed in my work that I come across a lot of Christians who are stuck. Just a lot of us are, uh, are, are people who believe and, and we trust in Jesus and, and we have faith in him and we, we believe doctrine about him. But a lot of us are just are stuck. We're not really growing. Uh, we're not really developing. We're not really changing. A lot of us have the same struggles today that we had 10 years ago or even 20 years ago or 30 years ago. We're not, we're not really growing in our character. We just, we just seem to be limping along and staying the same. And, and I can't help but think that one of the reasons why some of us are stuck is because we've forgotten how important these two little words are, uh, from and into. Let me explain this to you, and let's look at another story in the Bible, um, a story from the beginning of the Bible, and let's think about the people of Israel. In the second book of the Bible, Exodus, uh, the book opens and the people of Israel are slaves in Egypt, and they've been slaves in Egypt for, for generations, really centuries. They've been slaves in Egypt where they've been uh, making bricks for their masters, the Egyptians, and, and they've been groaning and, and praying for God to rescue them. And then finally, God hears their prayer and God decides to rescue them. And so what God does is he, he reaches out to, to Moses and he calls to Moses from the burning bush. If you remember that story, and he calls Moses from the burning bush. And Moses thinks of every which way to say no to this call to go rescue the people of Israel because it means he has to confront Pharaoh. And uh, Moses says no because he's, a normal person, you would say no too if that's what God was asking you to do because that's what I would say no to. Um, and so, so finally though, Moses relents and he, he decides to go to Pharaoh and, and demand that, pe that God's people be let go. And, and Pharaoh, the Bible says, has a hard heart. And so uh, the 10 plagues happen and finally Pharaoh changes his mind and he, he lets the people of Israel go and they, and they exit Egypt as free people. And, and then Pharaoh changes his mind again and he sends the army after them to, to capture them. And, and one night the Israelites, they find themselves uh, camped on the banks of the Red Sea. And, 
and uh, they see the Egyptian army coming against them, the Red Sea behind them, and these aren't warriors. They've been slaves for generations. And so they're like, what in the world are we going to do? And, and Moses stands up and he clears his throat and he gives one of the, the best speeches in all of history. And he tells the people of Israel to not be afraid, just stand firm. The, the Egyptians they see today, they'll never see again. And they just need to stand firm and not be afraid. And the Bible says this wad, this wind begins to blow over the waters of the Red Sea and, and the waters are parted and the people of Israel walk through on dry ground. When the Egyptians come after them, they're drowned in the waters of the Red Sea. And, and the people of Israel are finally rescued from the dominion of slavery. Now, if you didn't know that story and you heard it for the first time, you'd be like, yes, what a great story. Like, Movie's over, roll credits, the good guys win. Yes, what a great story. But, but, but obviously that story is not over. It, it keeps going. There's, there's a whole lot more to that story that, that starts after the people are rescued from the dominion of, 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 of slavery. And in fact, even when God called to Moses at the very beginning, when Moses said no every which way he could, um, one of the things that God said to Moses was this. This is Exodus chapter three, verse eight. God says to Moses, when he calls him, before any of this happens, he says, I have come down to rescue them, that is people of Israel. I have come down to rescue the people of Israel from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I want you to catch that. God is gonna rescue them from slavery and he's gonna bring them into this land that is flowing with milk and honey. This land that's flowing with milk and honey, that's another way of saying this land of, of goodness, this land of, of blessing, this land that's full of God's goodness. This is what God wants to do for him. He wants to bring the people not just from slavery, he wants to bring them into this new uh, life, this land that's theirs, this promised land that's gonna be theirs, that's full of God's blessing, that's full of God's goodness. You see, God's purposes for the people of Israel are not accomplished simply because they've been rescued from slavery. God's purposes are not accomplished simply because they're no longer slaves. God has more for them. He wants to bring them into something new. So a few moments ago, I said that in my work as a pastor, I've known lots and lots of Christians who are just, we're just stuck. We, we have the same struggles we have today that we had 10 years ago. We don't seem to be growing. We don't seem to be changing. We don't seem to be developing. We, we still are tripped up about the same things, the same brokenness. And, and I can't help but think that some of our stuckness has to do because we've forgotten about these two words, from and into. Because both words are important. And when we begin to forget that God wants to do both, well, it's no wonder we get stuck. For instance, um, I've known lots of people who don't ever go to church, but who are believers in Jesus. And they don't go to church because uh, they, when they were a kid, they had this moment where they were in a, a church service maybe and they prayed this prayer, this like sinner's prayer. And, and they were like, man, I've been, I've been rescued from, from hell and sin. Like I, I, I'm good. I don't, I don't have to do anything more because I've already been rescued from this. And, and this is what starts to take place. It's, it's no wonder you'd get stuck when you start to think primarily about the work of Jesus in a from mentality. Like when you start to think about the work of Jesus in a from mentality, it is no wonder you'd get stuck because you'd start to wonder, well, like what's, what's next? What happens like what happens after that? Like a from mentality would be like the, the people of Israel climbing up the banks of the Red Sea and, and they've been rescued from slavery and so they start high-fiving each other to celebrate all that God has done. And, and it'd be like them saying, you know what, let's just live here. 
this is great. We've got this place. There's no more Egyptians right by the sea. This is a great place to be. And God's like, no, 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 no. I've got this land. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's full of my goodness. I want to share this with you. And they'd be like, nah, this is, this is, this is plenty good. But God's like, no, 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 no. I want to bring you from the land of slavery into this land of goodness. I, I, I want to do both. Like it's no wonder some of us are stuck because if we have a mentality about the work of Jesus, about what he's brought us from, we would, we would be wondering, well, well, what comes next? There's this old analogy that explains this really, really well. And I wish this was my analogy, but it's definitely not. It's, it's hundreds of years old. Uh, John Wesley, who founded Methodism, he used to share this analogy. So it's at least 300 years old, this, this analogy that describes the work of God and what he does in our life. And so here's how the analogy goes. Imagine that your life with God uh, is, is like a house. And uh, in this house, like, you know, like every house, there's a, there's a front porch. And, uh, and there is this time in your life uh, before you knew the Lord where God was active in your life, but maybe you didn't realize it. And so you think back to like in retrospect before you knew the Lord, what was, you know, there's ways that God was working in your life. I can think about people in my life before I, I knew him who were shepherding me and guiding me, maybe posing questions to me, making me think about things. Or maybe for you, there was a, like an awareness of God's existence or something that happened where you started to become and to question things. And, and you look back at your life before you knew him, but you could see that he was active in your life. And, and that, that's like this front porch that um, you're on the outside of the house, but, but you, can, you know God is at work in your life. And so the analogy starts that, that we're all on the front porch and you might be on the front porch today as you think about your life. Um, you know, lots of people, they start taking first steps towards a relationship with God. They start going to church or something like that. It's like, it's like they're on the front porch of the house. And what I've learned is that some of us like stay there on the front porch uh, because there's, there's more to it than that. It's, it's not just that we wanna live on the front porch and like unpack all of our belongings to this new house on the front porch. Be like, man, my house is really nice. I got this front porch. No, there's a front door to this house. And uh, this front door to this house is, is, is when we cross this moment of time from when we go on the outside and uh, we come inside. And there is this, this moment of time, this decision that we make where we go from being outside the house to inside the house. We cross through the threshold of the door and no longer we're on the outside, we're now brought inside. And, and this is a moment in time that takes place. It's a decision that we make that we're gonna trust Christ with our lives. It's the most important decision we'll ever make. And it's this, this moment of time where we decide we're, we're going to live in a new kind of way. We're going to live inside the house. People call this, this moment different things. Some people might say we're being saved. Or people might say we're being born again. There's all kinds of ways people might describe it. But there's a moment that takes place uh, that we go from the outside to the inside. Our perspective has changed. We see things differently um, because we've crossed the threshold. Uh, so, so one time I was telling a friend of mine who was exploring Jesus and she had questions about Jesus. I told her about this analogy because I was trying to help her like pinpoint where kind of where are you in your life? And and she told me about this. She's like, ah, that's so helpful because I'm, I know I'm on the front porch, right? She's exploring Jesus. She's interested in him, but she doesn't really know where she stands. So she's like, I'm on the front porch. And she said to me, she said, I, I want to walk into the house. But then she said, um, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to just walk in the house and then just like sit down because what she says next just blew my mind. Like her perspective is so, so incredible. She said, I don't want to cross the front door and just sit down because she says, that's what I see a lot of Christians doing. I just jaw dropping perception, but that I, that I was like, wow, that is so, so insightful because what she saw as an outsider thinking about Jesus and exploring Jesus is she saw a whole bunch of Christians become so focused about the front door of this house that all they were focused on was getting through the door and then she's like, they just sit down. All of the attention is on the front door, just crossing that line and making that decision. And, and, and after the decision, it's kind of like, well, 
well, well, what's next? What, what happens like, you know, after that? And this is why this analogy is so incredibly helpful because it's not just about the front door. The gospel is not just about the front door. The gospel is not just that we've been rescued from the dominion of slavery, from the dominion of darkness. The gospel is also that we've been brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. And so this analogy as it keeps going is, well, this house has all kinds of rooms in it. And now for the rest of your life, you're gonna be living and moving into these rooms. You're gonna to have to paint them and clean them and put furniture in them and decorate them and put the pots and the pans and the plates away in the kitchen. And you're gonna move into this house and the rest of your life, you're gonna be spent putting this house um, in order because the gospel message is, is not just about being rescued from something. It's about coming into something new. I mean, think about some of the promises that we see in the New Testament. I think about, for instance, John 10, 10, where Jesus is talking. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life. Now I hear that promise and I want you to think about this. It's, Jesus didn't say, um, I have come to rescue you from the thief and the stealing and the killing that he's doing, but rather I've also come to, to bring you into new life, full life, abundant life. It's a both. I've been brought from something into something new. Or, or I think about the promise from, from 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5 where Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And again, the promise is not that we've been rescued from the old, but the promise is also that we've been rescued into the new. It's, it's both from and into. Or I think about, I think about a, a Romans chapter, chapter six. This is a, a verse I read every time I baptize people. And I think about this promise that's in Romans chapter six, verse four. Paul writes, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, listen to this last line, we too may live a new life. Catch that, a new life. This isn't just that we've been rescued from something. It's that we've been rescued into something else. And these promises that we read in the New Testament about new life and full life and new creation, the, these promises are not like aspirational statements about what life could be like. These are not aspirational statements about when we die and go to heaven or aspirational statements about if we work really hard, we can achieve these things. No, 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 no. These promises are descriptive statements of what the Christian life is meant to be. They're descriptive statements of what Jesus has already made true. They're descriptive statements of what Jesus has made possible for you, that you can live in a full life, abundant life, new creation, this, this new thing, because it's not just that Jesus has rescued you from something, it's that he's brought you into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And so I wonder, maybe you find yourself stuck Maybe you find yourself going through the motions. Maybe you find yourself living far from God, distracted, chasing after other things. Maybe, maybe you find yourself struggling today with the same things you were struggling with 10, 20, 30 years ago. And, and I want you to be reminded today and encouraged of the good news that Jesus didn't come and die just to save you from hell and sin and death. He came to bring you into his kingdom and new life and full life that he wants to share with you. He wants to give this to you and he wants you to receive this. This is what it is to have faith. It's not just that he's rescued us from something, but it's also the faith and the trust 
that he has something more for us. This land of goodness, of a land flowing with milk and honey, this house that we get to move into and, and live into the rest of our lives. You see, as we go through the series, we're gonna be exploring these different ways that Jesus is greater. And one of the ways that Jesus is greater is simply this, that he is the rescuer. And he has come to rescue you from the dominion of darkness and to bring you into the kingdom of the son that he loves. This is a descriptive promise, a descriptive promise for what the Christian life is like. And I wonder if it's true for you. Let's pray together. And so Father, today, as we think of these promises and the ways that you are great, you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and you brought us into the kingdom of the Son. And today I wanna pray for my brothers, my sisters, my friends who are watching this today, that we might live into the promise that you have for us. For any of us who have settled for a relationship with you that is less than what you have. We've been distracted. We've, we've filled our lives with other things. We've got sin in our hearts that we're chasing after. Whatever it might be, Lord, may today be a time where we realize that we're not living into the land of promise that you wanna bring us, this kingdom of the Son that you love, but rather we've, we've, we've just been focused on the from part. And I thank you that you rescue us from sin and death and hell, but you also bring us into a new life. So for anyone who may be stuck today, may we hear the promises of new life, full life, abundant life, and realize and hear that you have so much more for us. For any of my friends who, who maybe have never crossed that line of faith to begin with, who've never uh, crossed this line to believe in you, may today be a day where we cross the line of faith and put our faith in you, our trust in you, that what you have for us is greater. You have so much more for us than what we've settled for. We wanna live into the fullness of what you have. And so today I thank you for your love, your kindness, your salvation that you have brought to us. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray, amen. Savior, I'm your 
Friends, it's been so good to share this time with you. I hope that during the week you'll go through uh, the study, Jesus is Greater. You can find a book at sumc.co slash Colossians to join with us as we dig deeper together into God's word. If this has been helpful for you today, I encourage you to share this with your friends and your family, and we'll see you next Sunday.